thanks for tuning in to the pilot episode of Africa Say What. I'm Sarah from Nigeria. And I'm Joy from Zimbabwe. And this podcast was born from a need to talk about peculiar, or not so much, African issues that we felt were pressing or just generally hilarious. Now, I'm going to do a big disclaimer here to avoid something that I know is upsetting to Africans. I am in no way an expert on the continent, and if geography maps were to do Africa justice, you'll see that it's too big, far too big, to understand as one unit. And you also won't mention your acquaintance from Malawi when I say I'm Nigerian. I'm not even an expert on my own country. That's why my amazing wing woman, who's from down south, have teamed up to give you varying takes on things. Occasionally, we'll have voices from Ghana and Ethiopia, Kenya, Uganda. We'll really travel around and we'll have them weigh in and give you their unfiltered perspectives on issues back home. Today, though, I thought we'd start by talking about a very interesting character, and that is the gangster that is Grace Mugabe. Now, for anyone who doesn't know Grace, she used to be a secretary, and now no shade to women who marry up and marry guys who are way older, but, you know, you do what floats your boat. But she got married to the infamous father of Zimbabwean liberation, I put that in air quotes, Robert Mugabe. He's 41 years her senior, so it makes sense that she's some sort of political surrogate. I'm guessing at 93, there's not much you can do. He's old, he's frail, the administration doesn't want to admit it. And if you saw the photos making the rounds this past week, the man can't even stay awake at the UN General Assembly. He did give a speech later on at the General Assembly, and he called the Donald a golden Goliath, which I thought was super apt, and I should high-five him for that. Oh, yeah, that's that was really funny as well. I found it very, very interesting that an African president would stand up and, you know, call Donald Trump out. Um, now, a little bit of of a background about Grace Mugabe. Um, so she is the second wife to President Robert Mugabe, and she married President Mugabe following the passing of her first wife, um, Sally Mugabe. Now, Grace Mugabe has one daughter and three sons, with one of them being from her former marriage with Goreraza. So just a couple of weeks back, the First Lady of Zimbabwe visited her sons who live in South Africa after one of them was evicted from Dubai some time back. Now, the Mugabe sons are, of course, known for behaving in, an, in a rather radical manner, which, in fact, explains why one of the sons was kicked out. So they were taken to South Africa, like the Dubai son was taken to South Africa, and one of them was living in Zimbabwe, was taken to South Africa as well so that they could further their education at the University of Johannesburg. So upon her arrival at the visit, um, where they were checked in, at a hotel where they were checked in, she found her two sons in the company of Gabriela Engels, a 20-year-old model from South Africa. Enraged, Grace Mugabe assaulted the model with an extension code, which eventually resulted in her physical injuries. Now, Engels took to Twitter, where she shared her story with the world and eventually talked about laying charges on the First Lady. Now, in one of her interviews, she claims that she is not a worker. There's a few tweets going around saying that I'm dating one of the Mugabe brothers. I am not. 
Another thing, I am not a hooker. I was chilling with a mutual friend that knows them, and he invited me over to chill with my other two friends. And before the incident happened, the Mugabe brothers were not even in the same hotel room as we were. Now, Mugabe, however, may not be charged on the assault case as there are still some debates on whether or not diplomatic immunity should apply on her case. Now, in response to the assault charges, Mugabe said that Engels allegedly attacked her with a knife first and all she did was in self-defense. And I found that really, really interesting because I know for sure that she had a lot of security surrounding her. I was attacked, assaulted by Grace Mugabe in the hotel room while her bodyguards like just stood back and watched her beat me and my friends. And there was no way that the lady um, attacked her with a knife first. But Sarah, what are your thoughts on this situation? I mean, I'm Nigerian and we all laugh, you know, a lot about how people's parents punish them for sneaking out on dates and how you can't even date till like the day before you get married. But um, there's also talk of that superheroic ability that parents have to like weaponize anything that is within their reach. So they can take anything from a spoon to a sandal and they will whack you with it when they think you're stepping out of line. And it's tough love, you know, but the two issues I have here are firstly that she put her hands on someone else's child and she completely exonerated her son. I don't think they were even committing any crime in the first place, but if she thought they were, why was it Gabriella's fault? I think this narrative plays into what um, propagates rape culture today, where everything is the girl's fault. Her demeanor, how she was dressed, and you'll find people asking, what was she doing there, as opposed to, is Grace crazy? And secondly, the physicality of it was just kind of crazy. I mean, if you head to our Instagram page after this podcast, we'll put up a picture of Gabriella's injuries. They were egregious. And when you see them, you can't help but imagine the sheer amount of force Grace must have used to hit her. And that's just frankly unacceptable to me. Oh, yeah. In addition to that, um, I believe that a woman of a caliber, like being the first lady of Zimbabwe, you're supposed to act in a certain way. Uh, The first lady is believed to be the mother of the nation, someone who brings unity, who brings peace, who brings justice to the country. But it's really, really funny how Grace Mugabe um, executed violence on this young girl and gave her scars that she will never forget. Now, this issue may die down in the future, but then um, the scars that this girl um, succumbed to are really, really um, dangerous. And um, not only are there political implications surrounding this whole Grace Mugabe, Gabriela Engels affair, but there are some social implications as well. Now, South Africa is home to millions and millions of Zimbabweans who fled Zimbabwe uh, following the political and economic problems that the country has been facing for the past two decades. And as a result of that, there are so many people who have formal and informal jobs in South Africa who go there just to try as much as possible to make ends meet and put food on the table for their families. Now, um, this particular incident actually created a new narrative um, about Zimbabweans who are in South Africa. Now, already we've had issues in the past of xenophobic attacks being perpetuated on Zimbabweans, on Nigerians, on people from Malawi in South Africa, because the South Africans believe that these people steal their jobs. They believe that they um, 
criminals, they are murderers and all that. And now when Grace Mugabe, who is a Zimbabwean, goes to South Africa and um, hits the South African girl, there is this whole new narrative created about Zimbabweans. Now, it also goes on to solidify the idea that Zimbabweans are really violent, and it also um, creates this particular narrative that taints even Zimbabweans who are not criminals at all. And I find that really, really unfair because we know that some people are in South Africa just for the purposes of making ends meet. And it's really sad that the First Lady actually has helped to perpetuate such thoughts. And there were some tweets that I was looking at earlier on today on um, how Zimbabweans are criminals and how they are not welcome in South Africa. And I feel this is something that is solid enough to also ignite another xenophobic attack. Yeah, and I'm also just thinking about how people in power are able to get away with egregious offenses like this. So in high school, I went to high school in Abuja. It's a relatively small city socially, so everybody knows everyone. And I remember hearing a story about a kid who was at this other high school and they were all boarding schools so there are certain rules you have to follow you can't have some certain things in your custody so he had a phone and it got confiscated by a teacher and his dad just sprang into action a week later and came to the school he marched into the school and he beat up this teacher and collected the phone and then he made a statement about the phone and he said the phone was worth more than the teacher's salary. Now, this case was just crazy. And I remember thinking, wow, there's really no one that the teacher can go to. You can't go to the police because eventually the dad in this case became a big shot in Nigerian politics in the past administration. And the police, you know, sometimes they act like the personal security detail of people in power. So you're really not going to have any luck going to them to report something like this. But it was just crazy to me that when you are lowlier in society and you don't have anyone who's important on speed dial and you're at the bottom in terms of socioeconomic stratification, the police is not your friend. The Nigerian police like to say that police is your friend. I think that's their mantra slogan. Um, We all know it's really not true. And in the case of Grace Mugabe, I think the South African government did a relatively good job because I remember that it was making the rounds on social media that she was going to be prosecuted by Harry Nell. And Harry Nell was the prosecutor in the Oscar Pistorius case, which I followed every single day while it was on. Um, Oscar Pistorius apparently murdered his girlfriend, and Pistorius, you know, claimed that he didn't, but Harry Nell was just a very aggressive prosecutor. He's the type of guy you really don't want to prosecute you. So South Africans were very happy when they heard that Nell was going to be the one who would put Grace Mugabe on the hot seat, but I don't know what became of that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like the example of the the school example that you just gave goes on to show how absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I'm just hoping that in this situation, it's not going to be the same thing with Grace Mugabe. And I'm really, really proud of the South African police because I really believe that if this had happened in Zimbabwe, if this had happened to a young girl, a young innocent girl in Zimbabwe, um, we wouldn't have heard about this. Or rather, it was going to be... um, 
it was going to die down eventually and you know no one was going to prosecute anyone but i really really am proud of what the south african government has done in relation to this particular issue it goes to show that there is a little bit of democracy and you know um, there's justice also in South Africa and this is something that I really like to see happening in Zimbabwe but I don't really know how that's going to happen but this is something that we can emulate as Zimbabweans. Yeah so that's the spiel on Grace Mugabe. If you want to read more about the Grace Mugabe Gabriella Engels saga you can Google both of them and use the keywords Grace Mugabe Assault South Africa. There will definitely be a lot of stories that pop up. But that's it for the story part of our podcast. And now I will give you a rundown of what's happening on the continent today. First, this is long overdue, but congratulations to Toya DeLazy from South Africa for being the newest addition to the Powerpuff Girls franchise. Toya is an amazing singer. If you haven't listened to her music, you should. But she was revealed by Cartoon Network to be the newest voice of a Powerpuff Girl who's being added to the series. And I grew up loving that series, so I'm just excited to see where she takes the new character. And in Nigeria, there have been threats of secession, and this is like the 60s, the late 60s, early 70s, all over again. And if you're a pundit of history or you have read Chimamanda's Half of a Yellow Sun, you'll know that in the late 60s, there was a civil war in Nigeria because the Igbos and certain other minority ethnic groups were clamoring for their own country due to socio-political and economic power imbalances and it seems like that's happening all over again but we know that that's the last thing the world needs right now another civil war so send your thoughts and prayers nigeria's way and all the way east in kenya we know that they had a presidential election but the outcome which saw uhuru kenyatta get elected for another term was nullified by the supreme court Now, for a lot of people, this was a victory for democracy in Africa. But I have a question for the opposition when they run in elections. At what point will you stop taking the outcome to court? If international and local monitors found the elections to be free and fair, I really think you have no case there. I'd advise you to go the Jonathan route. Anyone who doesn't know Jonathan, he was... He's the past president of Nigeria. He ran for re-election in 2015. He unfortunately lost to Muhammadu Buhari, who's the incumbent. Just go the Jonathan route. When he lost, he conceded defeat, and he asked that people not resort to ethnic violence. So I have four words for you. Raila Odinga, who's refusing to accept the outcome in Kenya. Concede defeat, broker peace. Thank you very much, Sarah, for the news update. Well, this marks the end of our first episode, and we would like to thank all of our listeners for tuning into our first episode. Having said this, please kindly follow us on social media for more updates on what is happening in the motherland. You can do this by subscribing to our SoundCloud account. Just simply type Africa Say What and you will find it. And please like and follow us on our Facebook page at Africa Say What and follow us on Instagram at Africa Say What. Till next time, bye-bye.